0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode. Uh, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, based out in Sydney, Australia, as as usual. Josh, how are you?
1: I'm good, Sam. Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well. Very well. I guess you're pretty happy Liverpool turned it round
1: last night. Yeah, that 5 a.m. wake up never gets easier. It never gets easier. But it it doesn't get easier, especially when you're losing 2-0 as well. But, uh, yeah, the second half saved it for me. Um, Yeah, very excited, and I will hopefully be in the UK during the Champions League final so i'm gonna do my best to get to paris as well so
0: yeah that'll, that'll be worth it and no 5 a.m wake up yeah. to to watch that game um so yeah they rewarded you for the early start uh, yesterday um this week well I, I guess to start the week in the uk it was bank holiday so we were off so i was keeping one eye on the market but not really focusing too much um and then came in tuesday or, or had a little, little look at the markets on monday evening i saw flash crash uh did you hear about the, the flash crash on, on on monday i mean how do you think you, you sort of explain that to your boss that you had bought or sold more than than you had planned and ended up moving the entire equity equity market globally
1: yeah i'd say that's not going to be easy to explain is it <laughs> just wandering over to your manager's desk can i have a can i have a word um or just popping popping the trade in and nipping nipping out, grabbing a flat white and coming and coming back to the whole trade desk in absolute pandemonium because you just sent the whole market crashing. But I guess at least he sort of realised he'd messed up and, and they fixed it sort of straight away. But I doubt he's going to be at the top of the list for a promotion anytime soon. But yeah, it's just it's just mad, isn't it? It just shows you how one person and you know could just move a market like that. It's just yeah, it's crazy to think.
0: Yes, madness, absolute madness. I mean, it, not, nowhere near this level. But in terms of getting into a position, that someone didn't realise. My old boss, um, I think this would have been back in the late nineties or early two thousands, was was trading uh, in London on the bond market. And he uh, he had a sandwich at his desk and took a took a bite into. I think it was like a chicken BLT or chicken sandwich or whatever. And, and as he's taken a bite, a bit of chicken has fallen off out of the sandwich onto his mouse and had bought like hundreds of thousands worth of, of uh, futures contracts on on some sort of bond uh, and it only you know those bonds back then would move like one tick an hour so it wasn't uh it wasn't chaotic but obviously had to you know get in and out as quick as possible but this goes to show just eating a sandwich could uh, could get you into a trade which is madness absolutely yes yeah, don't eat your desk, absolutely, absolutely. Um, although I've missed so many opportunities, day trading, when I've needed to, to leave my desk. Um, so you can understand why people stay there. Um, for the podcast this week, we got to talk about the Fed. Got to talk about the Fed, their meeting, of course, uh, tonight, if you're listening, Wednesday, and if you're in the UK at uh, 7pm, uh, let's talk about reopening stocks too uh and their earnings and then wrap up with a, a little crypto update as we haven't done one in a while
1: yeah yeah absolutely those are the, the main po- talking points of the week so can't go past them so i think that's only right that those are our, our three for the week
0: yeah perfect well let's let's start with the fed then i think we we've got to and, and you know if you were to speak to anyone there was they were saying to you what's the the main thing going on this week and that would be the answer wouldn't it from a scheduled point of view anyway. Of course, when you review the week, there could have been something else. But, uh, you know, what are we what are we keeping an eye on what are we, you know, focusing on for for this meeting.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I want to start with, actually, and I saw a tweet about this earlier, and I completely agree with it. And it was basically someone saying, can we stop saying basis points? Can we just go back to just putting it in percentage?
0: Oh, so, yes. You know, I would be all for that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, just like people are like, well, what is, what is basis points? To be fair, I've even, you know, I use basis points sometimes because I think it's the right thing to do. But no, not anymore. I'm going back to percentage. Uh, it's easier. But yeah, it, look, it's been a week of our central banks. They're, they've been the focus. Um, the RBA, so the Reserve Bank of Australia, they lifted rates yesterday the first time in over a decade um, with a 0.25 percent uh, hike um, and that was higher than most economists were expecting as well and um, and then as you mentioned we've obviously got the fed later today and, and the expectation and, and what the markets are bracing for is um, is, is the fed the first sort of um, you know 0.5 percent hike um, which will be the biggest hike from the fed in in over sort of 20 years and and ultimately a, a more hawkish fed um, that we that we've seen, you know, the markets, are, like I say, have, have sort of priced that in, and I think there's going to be very little chance of a surprise. Uh, looks like at this point in time, we're at about a 98 percent chance of, uh, of of getting um, of getting that that hike. So we will see. But look, I think markets are also pricing in a lot of rate hikes as well. You know, when it seems that have we possibly reached that peak inflation? I think that seems to be the sort of the consensus on on Wall Street right now, that, that's that's where we are. Um, and what that may do is it may see the Fed sort of shift away from the sort of the, the aggressive, the aggressive, the aggressiveness of hiking rates, given that the market is already priced in of a lot of hikes, as I mentioned. I think if we do start to maybe see uh, maybe a more dovish tone, maybe it might calm market slightly. Jay Powers has left the door open and has already said he'll be flexible with rates as well. Um, in that sense, but for context, you know, markets have priced this sort of this cycle to be 3.5% at the end, which is which is huge. Um, after today's meeting, the Fed watch tool, and, and this is really interesting. This this um, this really got me earlier. So after today's meeting, the Fed watch tool has a 98% chance of the target rate being between 150 to 175 basis points. I said it, uh, 1.5 or 1.75%. That would mean we'd see at least a 75 or 0.75% rate hike in June, with the July meeting then showing that there's an 87% chance that interest rates will be at 2% at that time. So that's a really quick change from where we've been. Um, you know. But that sort of 3.5% number is then well above the Fed's sort of neutral rate estimate, which is 2.4%. This then raises the risk of a sharp slowdown of the economy, and then is, you know, we've then got to talk about recession fears um, you know, that then comes in. So, I you know, I'd like to see, you know, in the meeting today that maybe they take a slightly more dovish stance um, just to try and, you know, calm markets a little bit, because as I say, markets are now pricing in that sort of 75 uh, 0.75% hike in, in June, which is, is really interesting. But however, despite all of this, you know, we're constructive, and we think that sort of recession um, can be avoided. Um, we think that we're sort of near the, the, the sort of the peak Fed fear, if you like. Um, you know, we, we don't think it gets much worse than this in terms of that, that sort of interest rate fear, um, especially as I say with with inflation set to, to sort of cool. Um, you'd be surprised if it continues to, to sort of get worse from from here. And then, how do we how do we sort of manage that? Well we think you know sort of equities can sort of weather the volatility even as fed raise as, as the fed raise rates look towards sort of cheaper sectors in this time um so energy obviously you know you can look for exposure through something like the xle you could look at financials something like the xlf you know those are less exposed to the sort of downward valuation pressures that are obviously driven by higher interest rates i mean if we look specifically at banks and financials they obviously tend to perform well in rate hike cycles. That's then because you know higher interest rates are generally beneficial to the banks. Obviously, especially for the banks, it allows them to earn more net interest income. Obviously, then um, bottom line is they're going to improve their profit margins. So um, you know, those are the sort of the areas that, that we sort of tend to look at. And I guess as well, you know, in times like this, if, if investors were clever to lock in sort of maybe lower rates as well, it's a great time for those borrowers who may be locked in lower rates that were maybe buying uh, real estate. You know, we tend to see sort of real estate rise over this period. And if you locked in that low rate, then you're going to see a benefit there as well. But of course, you know, as we know, inflation is obviously eating into uh, into those sort of cash shavings at the moment. It's costing you a lot more to do anything, uh, whether that go be whether that be going to the shops, um, you know, or or just going out for a coffee. But I think. Yeah. Um, As well as that, investors, I think you know at this time, as well as those ones I've mentioned, quality stocks to their portfolios. We want to look for colossal balance sheets, high profitability. We want cash-rich businesses. Those that maybe you know haven't got debt ratios that are too high, and those companies are going to navigate difficult periods in the market and often will show resilience as well.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting Interesting. meeting. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it will be less hawkish there's hawkish in the, the market is expecting the market is expecting a lot this year so that might provide a little bit of relief and if we go back to i think it was the 16th of march i think it was the 16th of march for everyone to check out on their on their own charts And you look at the reaction from that fed meeting and, and equities went higher for a couple of weeks if if not more uh globally right and, and bitcoin too and crypto too so there's that opportunity potentially for a relief rally today and the market needs it i think if the fed were to turn around and 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 show that they were actually more hawkish than the market's expecting uh, the market's really not going to like it And as you're with you know you look at them the the nasdaq or the s p or the dow near enough the lows of their years those big support levels aren't going to hold so yeah super important meeting i think we're going to see less hawkish but as always it's a trade what you see not necessarily what you think and you know are we actually get to a point back end of the year where people start talking about the lowering of rates. And I suppose if you go as high as possible, it means you can come down from something um, as well. Uh, Next up, let's talk reopening stocks and and what to keep an eye on this week. Um, But before we talk about, you know, some names in particular, what, you know, what exactly do we even mean when we say reopening stocks
1: or reopeners? Yeah, it's probably a best place to start. Um, I mean, look, essentially, when we're looking at those sort of stocks, and we say reopeners, we're looking at those that directly benefit from the reopening of the world um, and ultimately the easing of, of global restrictions from the pandemic. Um, so, if we're going into specific, you know, airliners, cruise liners, hotels, casinos, etc., um, you know, those sorts of names. I mean, a great example eToro Smart Portfolio Travel Kit that offers uh, over 48 stocks that provide exposure to sort of the reopening. You know, so you've got Boeing in there, you've got Marriott, you've got Airbnb, you've got Delta, you've even got Disney. You know, so it's not just sort of one specific sector. We're not just looking at hotels or something like that. You know, you've got from manufacturing to Boeing, you've got the middle, you've got Marriott and Airbnb, you've got actually the flights in Delta, then you've got Disney to the parks, etc. Um, you know, and reopeners, they, they've been out of favour. Um, they've, they, they've been sort of depressed. Uh, their earnings have been depressed, but they're starting to recover. And ultimately, their, their, their valuations are cheap. And we see reopeners as part of the sort of the cyclical side of the market that we're positive on right now. Um, and it's also been a pretty surprising safe haven as well. I mean, it's it's performed pretty well this year, given how, um, how much it's underperformed the broader markets over the last two years. But, for example, our travel kit portfolio is down just 5% this year you compare that to the Dow and the S&P, well, the Dow's down 9% and the S&P down, is down 12%. You know, and that's not even taking into account the 20% for the NASDAQ. So, you know, a surprising safe haven, you know, done really well in, in this sort of period as well.
0: Yeah, interesting. Interesting to see that. Um, okay, so with, with that all said, you know, how have they, you know, performed overall as a year? Obviously, you mentioned the, the, the travel kit has performed obviously better, albeit, you know, still negative for, for the year. But what we, you know, keeping an eye on, this year as, as a whole and, and and really sort of you know going well this week yeah and uh obviously going forward as well
1: yeah well i think i think the biggest thing to watch is obviously okay are these companies now giving stronger guidance mm. you know, do they believe that travel demand is now coming back is it getting to pre-pandemic levels that's the key right it's, it doesn't matter about what we saw you know because usually those comparisons we have a year over year but you know, we're not looking at that. We want to see, okay, are, are these companies getting back to what they were doing pre pandemic? Um, and are people getting back out and tra- traveling again? Uh, and again, like you say, a lot of earnings coming through this week. So we've had Airbnb already, we had Hilton, we've had Expedia, we've got Booking.com, we've got Marriott coming through. So there's quite a lot of names. Um, and it's not been, you know, not everyone has is, is fared as well. So I think Airbnb um probably has come away looking the best and i think they showed last night that ultimately demand for travel from their point of view is back and back in a big way and it's going to stay um you know they've been a big part of the you know sort of working from anywhere trend um know they've also advocated that themselves so brian chesky the ceo he has himself been working you know from anywhere in the world working from airbnbs um they've also said it will allow its employees to work from anywhere in the world so they've basically released a flexible work policy you can work wherever and you can earn the same money you can earn the same compensation it all works the same Um, they're also now putting through things like verified wi-fi connections so you know, if you are going to work somewhere, you know that you've got a solid Wi-Fi connection, um, you know, and, and that's all part of sort of supporting you know these, these growing r- remote work trends. And actually, since introducing I was reading today, since introducing the policy that employees could work from anywhere, uh, Airbnb's career pages apparently had over 800,000 views. Wow. Um, yeah. So obviously there's a real keen interest from a lot of people around the world to continue this trend and to to work from home or or work from anywhere um which is which is interesting and if companies are going to allow you to do it i think you've got to take advantage of it if you could hop around still earn money um
0: well especially the same money right and yeah you you go to a country that uh you know the cost of living is cheaper You're, you're you're living like a king aren't you
1: correct well specifically here i think if you look at something like indonesia or thailand um you know you can you can go in and get a a three-bedroom villa with a pool in your backyard for fifty dollars a week well yeah to do to, to do that in sydney you've got an absolutely no chance let's check the, the
0: big, big mac index to see where where's the place yeah. to go
1: that's what they should do get True. on airbnb and see paid. the cheapest <laughs> mcdonald's <laughs> yeah and head yeah. back <laughs> but yeah like i mean that with with airbnb specifically they've obviously had a difficult few years as have most of that sort of travel industry anyway but you know, they're, they're back, um, you know, and, and, and firing on all cylinders. They, you know, we're talking about pre-pandemic levels. Well, they've seen its nights and experiences sort of revenue um, back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, they had 102 million uh, people book, um, which was 25 percent higher than Q1 2019. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice comparison there. And ultimately, the, one of the main reasons they saw a jump in revenue, so revenue jumped by 70 percent um, year over year again. It's like year over year comparison, so it's yeah. a little bit difficult and, and a bit thrown out. But one of the biggest trends that they saw was long term stays, so 28 days or more that helped boost sales. And again, that comes back to that sort of working from anywhere, uh, but also just demand for, for travel as well. Um, you know, there's still a few uncertainties, I think. I think that's really important, um, you know, because we've still got concerns, we've got pretty much a lot of a lot of china shanghai beijing have been in lockdown um hong kong as well you know for example my mum came out to australia she had a a flight cancelled with Cathay pacific because she couldn't transit through hong kong and that was you know a couple of months ago you know so there's there's still that sort of lingering concern um but you know again airbnb came out uh they sort of reassured investors offered solid guidance for q1 um, you know, they were saying that they expect substantial demand ahead. Uh, guidance was between two to 2.1 billion for Q1 and estimates was under 2 billion. So, you know, they've, they've really smashed through that. Um, and then as I say, it, it's not a, you know, completely rosy in the sector, you know, Expedia, um, you know, they actually, again, this comes back to what we said a few times. Um, they actually didn't do bad on the actual earnings. The earnings themselves are actually pretty decent um you know they were mostly in line with expectations on the top and bottom line i think they actually beat expectations um but shares tumbled in yesterday's session 14 percent um because this was actually they, they missed on the total room bookings so it came in at 56 million but analysts expected about 64 million um, and the then on the
0: 56 million just you know you know just the 56 yeah. million i reckon that must be so You know annoying right if you own a company and you you beat earnings on many metrics and then the market focuses on this this one and you're just like all right Well, now we're down 14 percent. cheers you know the company's doing well yeah
1: cheers yeah that's right we'll make a profit but don't worry about don't worry about (laughs) that um but it was on the back of that that you know a number of analysts actually trimmed the price targets and and i think that was one of the biggest reasons we, we sort of saw the tumble as well and they expedia sort of alluded to that they felt the full impact of obviously geopolitical tensions i think they have a little bit more exposure to europe than maybe what airbnb has to sort of russia and and ukraine um and they also pointed towards inflation as sort of weighing on sort of consumers travel plans it's probably you know maybe quite far back for some people at the moment when we've obviously got the cost of living rising not everyone can afford to, to to sort of go on holiday um But I think what it does show, I think it just shows how dominant Airbnb is in this space at the moment, Um, you know, how they're benefiting from those trends, such as working from anywhere, you know, and it's going to take probably a little bit longer from maybe some of of those more traditional aims like Marriott, like Expedia to to, to really sort of get back to pre-pandemic levels and to start seeing revenues continuously soar, Um, you know, because I think if you look at Airbnb, I would sort of see them as a bit of a tech company rather than just a travel company at the same time, you know, they're not just booking hotels you've got experiences and you know i imagine they'll then include a lot lot more uh, in the future but again it's also interesting a bit like uber and those other names they they own no real estate and one of the biggest travel companies in the world so
0: yeah i well, mean there's a really good tweet I'd, I'd encourage people to go check it out brian chesky the ceo of airbnb sort of tweeted didn't he did a did a really good thread of his quarter one results and talking about you know, where they were two years ago and what they've done to turn things around it was really you know quite eye-opening to see that uh, that uh, someone was using you know Twitter to, to get that message across uh, and you mentioned uber there you know I was I'm not a massive fan I have to say of shorting a stock I'm not not saying it's like immoral or anything like that but I'd rather you look to look to buy something else instead of selling it uber might be one that I would sell just because in London you just can't get one you really? just can't get one at the moment. Well, I can't because if I go into London, I, I, I you know, it's a fairly it's forty-minute journey out mm. of, of London, and they, of course, can see where the journey's going before, and they're like, no, nah, why would I leave London? Why would I leave London?" So it would be, yeah. it would be a painful short because it would just be purely emotional, and it probably wouldn't work. But uh, I'm fed up, I'm fed up with it. So I got a black cab last week and paid probably like three times the price. But yeah yeah
1: well earnings are tonight so maybe maybe you know put your money where your mouth is but no i actually i put i did actually do a tweet today on on ride sort of hailing stocks um because they've not had a good time as of late lyft reported earnings last night um shares are down 27 percent after hours not sure what it's doing sort of pre-market today but probably the same um offered week outlook dd shares pre- 85% down since IPO on the US markets they were down another 6% after hours as well because they're getting probed on the IPO and then Uber as you said down 30% now year to day and they've got earnings tonight so yeah it doesn't you know outlook doesn't, doesn't load well no. no
0: and it's, it's quite interesting a good lesson for our, our listeners here you know you mentioned Lyft, there down I can't you know remember the exact thing you said but I was just looking at Uber down 4% today. And that's a follow through from that. That's like, okay, well, their earnings are really bad. We're now expecting bad earnings from, from Uber. So, you know, if we do get only a little bit worse, earnings from Uber, you've just got to bear in mind a lot of that's probably going to be priced in. But, uh, yeah, no, you said earnings out tonight. So I'll be keeping a close watch on that. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk crypto then. You know, how, do you, how, how are you seeing things at, at the moment?
1: Yeah, the, the market has um, sort of plateaued. I think would be a nice word to use, um, mm. but there's been a lot of news around sort of crypto. Um, you know, some positive, some negative. You know, but I think once again, sort of, you know, Bitcoin does continue to sort of show resilience, given its sort of risk status as an asset. Um, but the broader sort of crypto market has sort of seen some declines this week. Altcoins have sort of really seen the brunt of sort of those declines. Um, you know, there are a lot of those assets are selling off. Again, very similar to, you know, when we look at the Nasdaq, right, we've got those tech stocks, um, those smaller cap tech stocks that are selling off. I say smaller cap. I just don't mean trillion dollar companies like Apple. Um, You know, and that's the same in the crypto market. Um, You know, those assets are down. We look at Solana down 51 percent year to date. Cardano 43 percent, Avalanche 47, uh, etc., And then if you look at sort of Bitcoin, only down 19%, Ethereum only down 25%. So, um, you know, again, very similar to, you know, the stock market, those big names, stability, they tend to perform well. That's where, you know, investors are going to move to and turn to in times of uncertainty like we're getting. Um, So, look, there's been a bit of positive, a bit of negative news around, you know, crypto prices have felt the full effect of the tech sell off as well, rate hikes as well. You know again in a sort of a hawkish stance from the Fed, investors are going to rotate away from those risk assets um of course so uh, as i say i continue to say that i do think bitcoin is continuing to show resilience and i think that's really really positive um well i guess on the positive front you know to to put a nice spin back on it you know we've had some really positive news over the last um sort of week or so the biggest probably being fidelity you know who announced that they would now be allowing investors access to bitcoin as an investment option through what is in america called a 401k which is retirement accounts or pension super whatever we want to call it and i think that's a significant step um you know fidelity is the largest retirement plan provider in the us um, those plans represent about 2.7 trillion in assets under management. So you know, it's a lot of money that then you know can, can flow into the Bitcoin market. Look, I don't think it's going to be as easy as they turn the tap on and, you know, we see billions of dollars flow in. I think that's going to take a lot of time, uh, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. You know, we, we had BlackRock um, last week. They've recently now launched a, a blockchain ETF. Um, And then we had Goldman Sachs. They offered its first Bitcoin backed loan. Um, You know, the loan allows for for a Bitcoin holder to borrow fiat currency, um, such as US dollar, obviously being Goldman Sachs, by fronting up their Bitcoin as collateral to the bank. So again, another step in the right direction. I think this just shows, you know, I just spoke about three names there and three huge names on Wall Street and showing further signs that we're seeing increased interest in crypto from wall street institutions not small wall street institutions massive institutions some of the biggest in the world blackrock the biggest asset manager in the whole entire world goldman sachs arguably the um the largest investment bank in the world Uh, and then obviously fidelity the largest retirement fund provider in the us so you know these aren't these aren't sort of little ticks these are big ticks and again they it will take sort of time you know to to come to for the for the market to sort of really accept this and when we're in this sort of negative stance no one really cares about this type of news especially when there's fear in the market good old warren buffett will, will tell you what to do when there is fear in the market uh, he's done all right this year as well to be fair um but yeah it's uh there's, there's a lot of positive news out there as well Um, I guess the other news as well, probably to talk about is, is maybe on the NFT front. We had Yuga labs. Uh, those are the guys behind the board ape NFT series. Um, they rolled out its new metaverse project on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and then again, maybe some negative news on that front. We had some serious congestion on the Ethereum network and we saw a record high, uh, Ethereum gas fees. Um, so users, uh, who were buying The metaverse land paid over 175 million us dollars in gas fees to purchase only 320 million dollars worth of nfts um so it was a project called the other side it was a metaverse if you owned a board ape um ultimately you were uh you were able to receive an airdrop of this metaverse for free that's why we saw some of the board Ape prices um, go pretty crazy but for perspective in order to have a transaction confirmed at the mint users had to pay in excess of $2,000 in gas fees due to congestion on the network. So if anybody else at that time, you know, despite, it doesn't matter if you wanted to, to say you know, mint and ape, if you were just, if I was sending you Ethereum, say say if I was sending you 10 bucks, I would have had to have paid $5,000 to send you 10 bucks. Uh, so it doesn't quite make sense. And, um, you know, I think the, that sort of congestion has again raised concerns on the Ethereum network, you know, the level one layer. Um, you know and it's resulted in users spending a considerable amount of gas fees yuga labs have said that they will refund that some of those gas fees but it comes back you've got to question it you, you've got to say okay well something's not right i think that needs to be fixed and they gas fees have come down a lot we've we've had a couple of conversations about it uh, on the podcast but there's obviously still work to be done um, ethereum 2.0 hasn't been completely finalized yet we're still in sort of the the final stages of that, that seems to have been going on for forever. Um, but when that gets completed, um, you know, th- those gas fees do, you know, to seriously come down because, you know, crypto is about being accessible for everyone and making transactions cheaper and quicker. Uh, and that's certainly not cheaper. So
0: well, it's going to be Ethereum three point 3.0 by the time it comes down, isn't
1: it? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Well, right.
0: yeah. Um, you know, just just mention those gas fees there. If you were an Ethereum bear, that's ammo. Right there, isn't it? Days like that to, to sort of fulfil your argument. Uh, what else, I think the fidelity news—I think that's massive. I really, really do. But like you said, in in a in a downtrend in a market, and you look at Bitcoin compared to uh, in correlation, I should say, with Nasdaq, and it it's the same market. It's the same market at the moment. So they've they've got their focus elsewhere uh, on what the U.S. central bank are doing, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, for that headline loan, you know, if you put that in a bull market. You're getting, you know, many percent off of that headline, I believe. um But yeah, like you said, you know, some of those big names, big crypto assets, well off their highs. You think some of them are going to return? That dollar cost average approach could return to be sort of fruitful going going forward. But of course, you want to be diverse and you want to think long term on that. I mean, from a technical point of view, that that trend channel is is all I sort of focus on for for Bitcoin at the moment, which is holding up superbly on those lows. However, uh, with the Fed later today, you know, if we have a, a hawkish or more hawkish surprise, you know, Bitcoin's going to come under pressure, of course, the strength of the US dollar uh, that would, would come from that as well. So yeah, it's going to be a fascinating end of the week, one to keep a, nut, uh, a watch on. But of course, we will be back next week to review everything uh, as well, Josh. Um, anything Anything planned for the back end of the week?
1: Uh, no, quite one. I think for me, probably a uh, bit of football. Uh, back to the UK soon. So keep my head down, uh, out of trouble for a couple of weeks at least. So, how about you? That's all,
0: that's all we can do. Uh, yeah, no, relax me. Really. Uh, I'm still having a couple of golf lessons and I need to do my practice in between. Or he's going to be like, Did you even do anything? Uh, and yeah. the answer, my at the moment, my answer would be no. So, I need to get down the range, uh, which, I will, which I will do. So, uh, but look, we'll wrap it there. Um, pleasure as always, Josh. Um, and no.
1: yeah, hope Perfect. you uh, have you a good week. Thank you, Sam. And uh, thank you to all our listeners as always for, for listening and enjoy your week. Take care, guys. Take care, everyone.
0: You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit etoro.com.